Welcome back to Blog Access 101. I'm your host, Young Abashi. Remember to follow us on social media at Blog Access 101 on Twitter and Instagram. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, Blog Access 101, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you're on podcast, don't forget to uh, write a review. All right, I'm here today with my uh, special guest, Maya Shaka. How you doing, Maya? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, pretty good. Can't complain. Uh, you know, we can jump right into it. Uh, just give a brief introduction of who you are. Yeah, my name is Maya Shaka, obviously, and I'm the first African-American woman to uh, officiate in the National Football League. I'm also an educator, a philanthropist, a public speaker, a DJ rapper. Now I'm not a DJ or a rapper, but just figured I'd throw that in there. You do it all. <laughs> yeah, I saw you uh, was a health teacher back in the day. How, how did you enjoy that? Yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, I, I taught health and PE for like 15 years, and like now... You know, I'm I'm a I'm a success coordinator for a nonprofit, so I just pretty much fill in the gaps and, you know, do everything I can do to make kids successful. Most definitely, definitely vital in this time time period. But yeah, I remember when I was uh, teaching health back in Philly, uh, it was it was a nice experience. But it made me uh, finally give in to my mentors. Like, all right, it's time for me to go back and get this PhD. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a good experience though working with younger kids. Um, who or what got you interested as, into football and then reffing as well? Oh, um, I think just playing football, like in a neighborhood, like, so just the boys around the way got, got me into it. It's just my way of being accepted. My way of, you know, showing people that I was athletic and that's, that's how my love for football happened and always being first pick on, on teams. I, you know, I was crazy, crazy athlete. So um, that's how I started my love. And then officiating started from working with the working teaching health and phys ed, like a teacher I was working with at the time introduced me into it because he was a high school official and he wanted me to try to do it. Yeah, it's always good to start off with uh, low level work the way up. So I just started with basketball this year. I kind of stick away from football because I told somebody uh, I'll mess around and get uh, in high school reffing and run, work with somebody running a 4-3 and I try to run and fall in the mud and do me on the highlights. <laughs> Nah, you be fine, man. Everybody falling. You got to keep up with them. Basketball officiating is tough, though, man. I do that, too. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. Them fans, it's funny. You got to give them a look and be like, all right, bro. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's fire. <laughs> officiating is fire, man. That gave me the, the umph. Yeah, you definitely got to have tough skin being official. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so how was your uh, transition from being a health teacher in VA uh, to becoming an official? How was that transition? Well, I, I was doing them both at the same time. And, you know, I, I still am somewhat teaching, but I'm not teaching health, but I'm still in education. Right. And, you know, the thing that makes it the most difficult is just the crunch of time, like throughout the week of essentially working two full-time jobs is, is really what it is. But when you actually have a passion for something, it really doesn't feel like that you're working at all. You know, you're just kind of going out there and get money at that point, you know, for lack of better terms. Right. But um, they, they both, you know, enhance each other. Like by from being a teacher and being an official, what it does, it helps me pick and choose like um, what's a foul, what's not, or when I think a kid should be sent out or when they shouldn't, you know, so it gives you a different level of tolerance. It's like you said, it could be holding on every play or what you think is pass interference or not. It doesn't necessarily rise to the occasion of a foul, but there also, there might be something there. It's the same thing with dealing with kids and their personalities. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a I understand that. Um, so what so at the beginning did it start as like a side hustle or do you knew this was always gonna be your feature going along? No, nah, it was it was always just a side hustle. Like this was just something I was doing because it was fun. 
you know, to make a few extra dollars and I didn't mind doing it. You know, I, my, my first side hustle, I was working like at like Champs and like Foot Locker because I worked there for like 10 years before I started teaching. Okay. So, and then once, once I started, yeah, once I started teaching, I still had it as a side gig. Then I was like, I can't see myself in the mall, like selling insoles and upselling with, with sneaker repellent. Like, <laughs> I gig, I need something else to do, you right. know? And that, it, it was that. This is cool. Yeah, I feel that. Um, how much do you think, how much do you think you have progressed since you started reffing? Obviously, you said it at the high school level, but then with Conference USA. Oh, man, I'm a completely different official. It's like, just seeing the speed of the game is a lot different because in the NFL, you know, those, those are the biggest and fastest athletes on the planet. And there are no other people like that. Like everybody runs like a four, three, it seems like you could be 300 pounds and you're somewhere around there. I don't, I mean, those guys are massive. So just being able to keep up with the speed is one and the players are so much different. They're professionals mm-hmm. and you know, they're great cheaters. I hate to say cheaters, but they have amazing techniques. And so a lot of them know exactly what to get away with. So it's not a foul or they know how to sell it. So it looks like a foul. So it's like really studying these people because they're a master of their craft. Right. You always gotta, yeah, they always trying to find one way to finesse. Yeah. Uh, what was, what was thoughts running through your mind when you officiated your first NFL game? Please don't let me be a meme somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, the internet is undefeated like a mug. But that, seriously, that was really the first thing. I just didn't want to let people down because there was so much hype around it, you know, by me being hired. And, you know, there are a lot of people who are rooting for me to be successful. And then there were a lot of people who are rooting for me to fall flat on my face and say that we told you so, right? Mm-hmm. And so we, all, we always want to say if we don't have haters, then we ain't doing it right. But nobody welcomes nobody that I know actually welcomes that type of energy and so I just want to make sure that I had a good performance and a solid performance you know so like I said I want to end up on the internet yeah because you know people quick in this era to have somebody on a meme they had Jordan like uh Jordan with all them memes (laughs) yeah the crying face man all it takes is one thing And then the last dance, they had like 10,000 memes on him for that. It was crazy. Oh, man, that was ridiculous. Uh, so being the first uh, Black uh, official for women, how do you think that opens up the door for other Black women? I mean, it, it definitely creates or wide, widens up the pipeline. Like underneath me, we already have a few women that are in our pipeline who are African-American and they're working in a couple of the minority women that are in the pipeline to be trained by National Football League. So what, what that does by having us on the stage, now that gives somebody the possibility, maybe somebody who never even thought about, you know, starting on their high school level or joining, that gives them the, the thought to actually join, you know, just to see that there is someone up there that looks like them, so. Yeah, most definitely. I always got to, you know, somebody see somebody that looks like them, you know, to get motivated to do it. That's with me with my degree. So my mentors, I said, if he can do it, I guess I can do it, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So what are some current obstacles you're facing right now as being the first black woman official in NFL or just in general as an official? Finding some pants that fit right. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, that, that that's always going to be different being um, a woman, right? And you're like in a male dominated space when they're not really used to dealing with women. 
you know, or like minority women. So everything for me is like trial and error. So you have to be patient and you can't like when something doesn't go your way or it doesn't go as planned, you can't throw like fits and be upset about it and be like a diva, right? Because more than likely it's their first encounter, just like it's your first encounter. And so you have to be very proactive and very graceful about situations and, you know, being able to, to you know, to voice what, where you need to have improvements and just move on from there. Yeah, most definitely. Um, what advice would you give uh, Black women, women in general uh, trying to break into the field of sports as well as being becoming an NFL official or just official in general? It's an official in general. And how about also like any male-dominated industry? Yeah, some yeah. Women listen, yeah. So it's, it's like really finding your voice, right? And with us, especially like with black women, like there's a fine line between between being assertive and being aggressive. Right. And a lot of times the way that we the way that we communicate and how stern and how powerful we are comes off as being aggressive. When in actuality, in our mind, we're just thinking we're being assertive, just like every other male that we watch communicate. But because we look a different way and they come off at us being something that we're not. And. I think for us, the, the most powerful thing is to make sure that we are 100% sound in everything it is that we do, and we're fundamentally sound, and we execute our jobs, because at that point, they can't hold anything against you. Like Once you're really solid, and you know you execute, and you bring a quality product to the table, that gives you power to have a voice. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, you know, I was talking to other when I did a women's sports segment uh last year. Uh, I was just a lot of women saying the same same issues you was having with assertiveness is trying to basically saw as being aggressive. But I feel like if any male would do it, you know, is is normal. But then also a funny thing I heard uh was that like sometimes even with working with other black women, I guess they see you as a competition that you're trying to take their seat, which I thought I ain't never heard of that and it made me interested in probably doing some research in it. So what was your take on that? I mean, so first of all, I don't have any competition. Let's get that clear. Oh, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, but I mean, there are other black women, but for to me, the way that I carry myself, I feel like there is no competition to me because I'm I'm always gonna be the one that somebody has to catch up to, right? right? And even with that, I don't even want to be a competition. If you gotta catch up to me, iron's gonna sharpen iron. You know, if I know that you can't beat me fair and square, I'm gonna make it really hard for you to beat me. So that just makes you even better. And so you're going to be better than the next man. You're going to be better than this person and that person. So I I don't really look at, look at it as it being like me versus you type thing. You could take it all the way back, like to the female rappers, like back in the day, they always put it out. Like it could really only be one queen MC. Right. And that's so like, that's furthest from the truth of like what, what it really can be. You know, there's enough food out here for all of us to eat if we play our cards right, you know? Yeah, most definitely. Uh, so what was your uh, what was your favorite uh, NFL game to be an official at for, for this season? My very first game. <laughs> that was the best one. Like once I once I knocked that out the park and I got out of there scot free without any uh, scrapes and bumps and bruises, I knew I was going to be good to go for the rest of the year. So I didn't even care about anything this else. One, like, the way you get the nerves and everything, you be like, all right, I'm good now. <laughs> yeah, all right, let's go. All gas, no breaks after that game. Oh, definitely. And then uh, my next question, uh, what coach in your official career has gone uh, gone off the worst about a call? That- I don't know. That, that's, a, that's a tough one. 
because they're all they're all pretty vocal. And when I say when gone off the worst, none of them have ever been like disrespectful, right? And so when you you, you gauge it, it's just really like their personalities. Like some coaches are going to be more vocal than others, and that's just how it is. And, you know, a lot of times I wouldn't say they're usually right or, you know, but in, in my case, by me being a rookie and them having a lot of experience, you know, they're going to have a gripe, you know, um, and they're going to challenge me in that way. And you go back and you look at the film and be like, dang, I was right. So aha, coach got you. But, you know, <laughs> we don't really go back and say that. But um, in, in my in my shoes, I just had to be really respectful and listen because I was I had to understand you know, that this is, it's like almost like welcome to the league type thing, you know? Um, yeah. Did you, so yeah. Um, yeah. Did you want to add anything else or tell people where you, they can follow you at on social media or? Yeah, they, they can follow me on, on Instagram. It's my first and last name is Maya, M-A-I-A, Shaka, C-H-A-K-A. I also have a nonprofit starting up called Make Meaningful Change. Website is under construction, but it'll be makemeaningfulchange.org. And what that is, it's a community engagement organization really focused on um, bringing activities to teens because there's not a lot of things that are available in the community for like the age range between like 12 and 17 or like, you know, the middle school, high school age. A lot of things are, are dedicated to like primary school age. And so I just want to make sure that we are providing programs that are going to help those that age range make better decisions and they can be productive adults. Yeah, smart wrestling, keep them off the streets and do something productive. A lot of people always complain about people being on the streets, but don't give them no other option to do something. Then they be mad. I'm like, you can't, you can't tell somebody not to do something. Then y'all got nothing for them. <laughs> they be like, go hoop. I don't got no jump shot. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. I definitely appreciate you coming on, though. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. We appreciate everyone that's listening to the podcast, writing reviews, and sending out the link to other people to listen. Also, we have now have on our anchor.fm slash blog access 101 uh, support where you can send monthly payments of either a dollar uh, five dollars and or nine dollars uh, no amount is too little we appreciate uh, what we can get that will help us be able to get big name athletes to uh, interview on a podcast and buy other uh, supplies you might need for a podcast in the later future thank you